0: for us to begin. Good to see you back tonight. It's been a beautiful day. Let's have a word of prayer before we enter into our worship tonight. Father, we're grateful for your extended love through Jesus Christ. We know, Father, that you provide for us each day both physically and spiritually. Thank you, Father, for the spirit that dwells in each Christian. As we meet tonight, Father, help us to meet with the purpose of worship and to build up the body of Christ. Thank you, Father, for your providential care and love. Help us each day to reciprocate that and the things that we think about and the deeds that we do help us to be ambassadors for christ in each and every way thank you father for the church that meets here bless this leadership and bless us together as my body that we may reach out to the lost and we may reach out to one another to build each other up in the most holy faith Bless our thoughts together in your word as Josh presents them. Help us to apply those principles, those thoughts from you uh, to build pathways to heaven. Bless those who aren't able to be with us tonight for various reasons that you will bless their lives. Forgive us, Father, of our Many sins and shortcomings. It's through Christ we pray. Amen.
1: and now there's news. It's phrased or something, but nothing ventured, nothing gained. I've heard it enough, and I'm sure you all have. Two. Once you have that, Mark, let's turn it to
0: 243. 243. This
2: Well, good evening. It's good to see everyone back out this evening. Got a good-sized crowd for Sunday night. Now you're back to dealing with me on Sunday nights. How about that? We've had a pretty good series. I guess if we want to call it a series, I think it'd be appropriate to do so on Sunday night. The past, oh, two months, two and a half months, different men of ours speaking for that. And I thought it went awesome. I was very appreciative of everyone that spoke and the things that were uh, taught. And I don't think there was a single person that didn't impress me and learned that some have the skill of it that never tried it before, and they're probably going to do it again. And uh, I'm not looking that way for any particular reason, but but it's good to, to hear from you guys. And I was very appreciative as well because I didn't realize this, but as the preacher, I realized it, but I didn't realize how much. I never really get to, you know, just sit with my daughter and with my wife and really just enjoy the worship. And so I really enjoyed it. So I'm very appreciative in that regard as well. Tonight we're going to kind of do a little bit of a different lesson. This is going to be a bit technical and hopefully I won't bore you to death with this, but I thought this was a very appropriate thing to do with where we're at in our reading, um, our reading the Bible through in a year Because of where we're at, we've read through Deuteronomy. We're going to finish up Deuteronomy this next week and a half. And we've talked a lot about covenant, or we've read a lot about covenant, a lot having to do with it with the Ten Commandments and other covenant that God has given with the seed promise and covenant in Genesis chapter 6 with Noah and the sign of the covenant being the rainbow as well. And we talk about the old covenant, and we talk about the new covenant, and, and we, we kind of throw these terms around. Maybe it's time that we slow down every once in a while and make sure we know what it is that we're talking about. What does it mean? Well, of course, covenant, very simply, means a solemn agreement, right? It's, it's very much, in a way, like a contract or a promise made. And one of the more well-known examples of covenant, I'm sure you could guess, is marriage, right? Right? And where we promise to each other faithfulness, love, companionship, devotion. She says, I do. He says, me too. You know, all of that. And we remember this one thing about that covenant in particular with marriage. It's for life, right? That's the goal. There is an essence of ongoingness, of lifelong continuation to covenant. And for covenant to be in effect, the party that makes or agrees the covenant must play their promised part. There's four things I want to bring up about covenant with God in the old and in the new. One, all covenant with God is always initiated by God. God always takes the first step. He always extends out himself to us and to people. And he does so, too, in order to establish relationship and fellowship with the individuals. You can't have a deep fellowship Without covenant, we could easily argue. Again, take the example of marriage. If you want all the deep meaningfulness and blessings of marriage, then you need to make covenant, and that's what God teaches us. There's a lot of of cohabitation going on in the world, trying to, to look as if we're married, but we're actually not really that committed, and wouldn't you know it, a majority of those relationships end up in divorce if they even do get married, because it's not the way God structured things for our own good. And three, he intends it to bless. He does it. He makes covenant with you and I to bless all of humanity and all of creation. God doesn't make covenant because he needs to, but he does it to bless. And four, all covenants are given to assure God's people that God himself is faithful. I love what's said in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 13 where it says that if we are faithless he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. The very one of the very uh, core parts of who God is, God himself is faithful. And it kind of echoes what we're talking about, you know, with with Deuteronomy 6 of he wants us to love him. Because he is the one that has loved us. So he expects or wants from us in return what he gives to us. And it's the same way with faithfulness. He wants to be faithful with you and I in that kind of covenant relationship. And he's just asking for us to be faithful back. God, in the very essence of his being, is faithful to his word. And you know, there's different types of covenant. This is where it gets technical. Don't let me put you to sleep, but I'll be quick. There's three different types of covenant that we see in scripture. One is unilateral. Unilateral. Meaning uni, one, right across the board. It relies on one, a covenant of promise. One party imposes the obligation himself. Where do you see that? Well, you see that example played out in Genesis chapter 9. In Genesis chapter 9, verse 13, he says, I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of covenant between me and the earth, is what God is saying. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. That's an example of a unilateral covenant. It does, it's not contingent on anything that you and I do. It's not contingent on anything that happens in the world. It's only contingent on God keeping his word and being faithful to that. And he has been, and he will be faithful to that. And a reminder, a sign of that being the bow, the rainbow. Second type is a parity treaty, a bilateral. Instead of unilateral, bilateral relies on two parties instead of just one. You can go back to our marriage uh, example because that's a good example of this type of, of covenant. And so this one, though, between us and God, is is not necessarily between us and God, this type that we see in Scripture, because this type of covenant is in regard to equals. We are not equal with God. And so where do we see this? We see it with marriage, but we also see it in instances like 1 Samuel chapter 20. In 1 Samuel chapter 20 with David or Saul and Jonathan, David and Jonathan, excuse me, And he says in 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 16 and 17, Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, May the Lord take vengeance on David's enemies. And Jonathan made David swear again by his love for him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. The interaction that went down there in chapter 20, uh, Jonathan makes a covenant with David that he would warn David if Saul is for sure seeking to kill him. That's an example of this kind of covenant. Then the third kind, this is a kind that is made with a vassal. It is a life and death bond in a way. And a lot of the time made with a vassal, what we mean is there is blood involved that gives life to the covenant. You ever think and wonder, why is God using animal sacrifices? And why, when he makes covenant, for, uh, for instance, with Abraham. Is there animals involved that they pass between and that there's blood involved as well? It's kind of a weird thing when we talk about blood. People are going to think we're weird, but let's look at this history of it. Look in Exodus chapter 24. This is after Moses receives the Ten Commandments and the stipulations of the law, of the covenant that God is extending for his people to be his people. Now, in this instance, with this type of covenant, the inferior can accept or reject. And so God is extending this covenant, the law, with them, and they they have a right to reject it. But why would they, right? The inferior cannot negotiate. That's the people of Israel. They cannot negotiate or alter the terms in any way. God gives the law. Here's what it is, and are we going to accept it? Well, Exodus 24, verse 3 through 8. "'Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. "'And all the people answered with one voice and said, "'All the words that the Lord has spoken we will do.'" And I like that. I underlined that. Actually, I haven't underlined it in this one. This is a newer Bible of mine, but I will underline it here soon. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and uh, 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. He sent young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood, watch this, it's weird, but this will make a lot more sense now, he took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he threw against the altar, then he took the book of the covenant, and he read it in the hearing of the people, and they said, all that the Lord has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people, and said, behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words." I don't know if you remember reading that not too long ago as we're reading through this, but this is an eyebrow razor every time I, I read it. And I think, man, if, if I don't understand what's going on, I'm thinking gross. I mean, I'm still thinking gross, but at the same time, I'm thinking, why? What, what's the purpose of this? Because in blood is life. That's what God is wanting them to see with their old law, and he wants us to be reminded of that. In the blood is life, and the life of that blood, the life blood, is giving life to the covenant. That's the purpose. And here God is wanting to establish his people and as a nation. In order to do that, there needs to be covenant. In order for there to be covenant with God, we see in Scripture that blood is involved. Covenant made in Genesis 9 was not contingent upon us playing a part. That's why there was not any kind of blood like that playing a part. But the people here agree to it. They hear the terms. They accept the terms, saying all the words the Lord has spoken, we will do. And they also see the penalties of if they don't keep covenant over in Deuteronomy 28. Perhaps you remember this whenever we were studying through the minor prophets. We referenced it just about every time we brought up the minor prophets. The penalties for not keeping covenant is listed here in Deuteronomy 28, which we will read later this week or next in our reading. And so we won't read everything now, but you will have that opportunity very soon. We're in verse 1 and 2. He says, if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. And then he'll list all the blessings that you'll read. And here he's saying, you do what I'm asking you to do. You uphold your part of covenant. You will be blessed in all these ways. And they loved it. They loved that part but, you know, that, that kind of got them into trouble because they forgot about the other side of it there in verse 15. As we read in places like Malachi and Joel and others, when they were going through the motions, but they weren't doing it properly. So they're trying to just kind of buy off God and get the blessings. But what actually was happening, and think about it with me, think about like the beginning of, of Ruth, when the, uh, all of Israel, the land there is a time of famine. After we've gotten into the promised land that's supposed to be flowing with what? milk and honey, but there's a famine. Why? Did God lie? No. But what happened was they had broken covenant because in the days of the judges, what does it say in chapter 1 and the very last chapter, everyone did what was right in their own sight, and they were not faithful to God. They forgot God, it says. And so because of that, and other instances, verse 15, but if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God, or be careful to do all His commandments and statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. And he'll list it. And it goes famine, plague, locusts, enemies overtaking them, plundering them, the whole bit. And you'll read through it. So they have the law or they have the, the, the itemized part of how to keep covenant. They went into it agreeing to keep covenant. And here they also knew the penalties for not keeping covenant. But you know what? The beautiful thing that we see is God built into His law in the Old Testament and, of course, in the New, that if you were not in covenant, if you broke covenant, you can come back to be with Him. You can get right. You can repent and come back. That's why there were sacrifices like in Leviticus chapter 4 for sin offerings and trespass offerings whenever they didn't even know. Uh, There there were uh, sacrifices for times that they didn't even know if they had sinned or not or done these things. And so God was making sure that they're covered and making sure that they could be in relationship with Him. But not if you are perpetually living in sin and don't try to remain in covenant. Being in covenant is contingent upon you keeping covenant. So why does God do this? Not because He is lonely, not because He needs to, but why does God make covenant? Because He is a God of love. Because love really expresses itself in making covenant. And that echoes again what we read in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And he's talking about in the past uh, couple chapters as well, listen to the statutes and be careful to do them. And so he's telling them and reminding them, this is for your own good. This is your part of keeping covenant. Covenant requires one or both parties to play their part. And God is faithful. But one of the problems is that people break covenant. And in the Old Testament, they don't keep covenant like they're supposed to. How often do we see them fall away and fall away, right? And go back to their own kind of ways time and time again. You know, the Old Testament really is this unfolding of a story of of covenant making God reaching out to his people and his people going away from him time and time again. And we say, "Ah, well, we'd never do that. But be careful because how often have we done that before? Yet God still reaching out, still extending a hand and saying, come back. You know, the prophets were sent to give hope, messianic hope, with talks about a new covenant and the promised covenant that would be new and reestablished who God's people were. You take Jeremiah, for instance, Jeremiah 31, 31 through 33. And he says this about the new covenant. He's prophesying the new covenant. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make new the covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke though i was their husband declares the lord for this is the covenant that i will make with the house of israel after those days declares the lord i will put my law within them i will write it on their hearts i will be their god and they shall be my people he's talking and prophesying about the new covenant that was to come and so this covenant it's going to be new but also it's going to be everlasting ezekiel 37 verse 26 says i will make a covenant of peace with them It shall be an everlasting covenant with them. God already knew this old covenant. It was getting them ready for the new to come, and it was temporary. It wasn't everlasting, but the new covenant, it's going to be everlasting. I will set them in their land and multiply them in my sanctuary in the midst forever. And so when we talk about the transition into the new covenant, we need to look before Jesus' sacrifice on the cross as well as the beginning of the church. And so look with me in Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Now we're discussing new covenant. I realize I was throwing a lot there at you, so I'll give you a second to turn to that one. Luke 22, verse 20. Let's start verse 18. How about that? Or 17. He took the cup. And so here is Jesus talking about this new covenant that's going to be poured out and that blood aspect. You know, it's interesting, by the way, fun fact, I guess you could call it, is what I call it. In Exodus 24, when after the, the throwing of the blood on the people and after they had said all that the word of the Lord we will do, there was a meal to go along with that. And here in the same instance, maybe there's a bit of an echo, maybe not. I just find it interesting. But, you know, covenant at a glance in the New Testament, in the Gospels, we see the covenant being initiated by Christ. What did we say? Covenant always involved by God? One being initiated by God. And so here comes Christ on the scene, initiating the covenant and giving his blood to bring it forth, giving his blood to give life to the covenant. Look in Hebrews chapter 12 or chapter nine, verse 12. I'm sure a verse that you're familiar with. Hebrews 9, verse 12 through 15, he says, or 11, I like 11 better. He says, But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Mm, Talking about that new covenant that is eternal and that saves and that is everlasting with his people. And so we see that, okay, he came to give the terms. He came to extend covenant and he gave what was necessary to start covenant. But you know what also we need in order to have the new covenant? We need to understand what the terms of the covenant are. We need to understand what it is that we obey. Well, that goes to Acts chapter 2. That's the point of Acts chapter 2, one of the biggest points. Look over there. I know you know it. I'm sure you can quote it. What does he say in Acts chapter 2, verse 38? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and all who are far off, that's you and I, everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. And he keeps preaching, and 3,000 were baptized and added that day, it says. and Down in verse 42, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and that's where they understood how the terms of the covenant, or what the terms of the covenant, what it meant to keep covenant as Christians. They were being taught at this point how to be the church, not how to become Christians, but how to be Christians. And the fellowship, and the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And we see them exercising that as well. And it's as if to say, echoing Exodus 24 again, All the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. In the New Testament, we see the blessings of being in Christ and the warnings about what it's like to be away from Him, the curses of being away from Him. We see that throughout the letters that are written by the apostles and by the New Testament uh, writers there. The Christian virtues that are succeeding versus being stuck in sin. And you also, we get an idea of sign of covenant in the New Testament. Look in Ephesians chapter 1. This will be the last one. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. Why did Peter mention the Holy Spirit? Well, Paul will further explain it here. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. At what point was that? When we were baptized we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance. What was the guarantee that God would never flood the earth again? What was the sign of that covenant? The rainbow. What's the guarantee of our covenant? We get the Spirit, the gift of the Spirit. One, who trains us up and grows us to be more in the image of Christ. But two, who is our guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of God. Of his glory. And so the Old and the New Covenants are how to look at the Bible, uh, sorry, how to look at the Bible as an unfolding story of God in two parts. Part one, how God wanted to bless creation through the Old Covenant and bring humanity back to a state of relationship with him, and God going after people time and time again to bring them back to him. And then part two in the New Covenant, How God wants to again bless creation with the new covenant, establishing an everlasting covenant of relationship and salvation. Initiated by God, establishing relationship, blesses humanity and assures us that God is and always will be faithful to uphold his part of covenant, all because of his great love that motivates him to do so, not because he absolutely has to. There's, there's no other way that God can get by or something like that. But because God wants to bless you, He extends fellowship. He extends covenant your direction. And He wants to be in covenant relationship with you. And being in covenant with God means I've got to uphold my part as well. I see in the, in the New Testament the terms of the covenant. I see how it is that I'm to walk and to continue to obey the voice of the Lord our God. And I see how it is also that if I find myself away from him, I can repent. I can come back. There's a time, though, when that will be too late. But so long as you're breathing, so long as there's gas in the tank, you can turn the car around. You can come back to him. And so if that's you this evening, you find yourself away from him, or maybe you've never been to him in covenant, if you have been moved to do so, let us know as we stand together and sing. Brother Jesse, who recently started coming uh, to church, just recently showed interest. He's still fighting sickness, but he wants us to pray for him and for his mother, so let's do so. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for everyone who's here, for all their hearts and all their attention being on you. We pray for Jesse, and we pray for LaMonica and for Trey battling the sicknesses that they have been, and pray that you keep uh, the um, Jesse interested in you, wanting to know more about you while uh, the iron's hot, and help us to be the family that they need us to be. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.
1: It's still the first day of the week. Are there those present who <coughs> haven't had a chance to touch the Lord? at Okay. Let's turn to 720, and we'll sing the first and last verses of 720 to prepare a mind Why?
3: we see the hands of those who wish to partake of the Lord's Supper? Would you bow your heads with me, please? Dear Father, as we come here to partake of this bread that represents that precious body that you shed upon the cross for us, help us to always remember that you gave this great sacrifice of love and to give us a great gift of salvation. In Christ's name we pray, amen.
0: let's pray. Lord, let us take this cup that represents the blood that was shed on the cross for our sins. In Jesus' name, amen.
3: the Lord's Supper, he also requests that we give of our hearts. Would you bow your head? And uh, the tray will be laid on the table in the foyer. Would you bow your head with me, please? Dear Father in heaven, help us to realize that each and every blessing that we have is due to your love for us. Help us to have a loving and willing heart and to give back of what we have prospered so we may use what we gather here to spread your word and to help those who have not yet found you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.